MSW Media. This is Albert Hammond Jr., and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome. Good to have you for this, the 169th full episode of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Folks said we never make it to 169, but we did. And to celebrate it, we've got Albert Hammond, guitarist for the seminal rock band The Strokes. Coming up in just a little bit, Albert is also the founder of a new wine seltzer brand called Jetway. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the, the band that has come roaring back. Strokes won the Grammy Award a year and a half ago, best album, and now they're on tour, and I love that band, I really do. You hear it, right? You hear my voice, the nasally twang that's going on. Yeah, I got a little cold. I picked up a cold in New York City last week where we were doing a live recording of this very podcast at the Stand Comedy Club, sold out March 25th. What a night. With comedians Sean Patton. Natalie Cuomo, Joe DeRosa, and Justin Silver joined us. It just, it, our friends at Hendrix Gin were the sponsors, and, and it just couldn't have gone any better. I, I think it was so much fun. And uh, I got a, an email, a voicemail message. When I say a voicemail, what I mean is somebody emailed me a voice message. Get it? About that was at the show. Her name was Jessica, and I love when we get these, and I tell you all the time, if you want to send them to me, do it. Info at what we're drinking.com, or you can message me at the imbiber on Instagram or Twitter. And I'll, I'll, I'll either read your comments or I'll play them on here. And like this one here, we got from Jessica. Hello. Hey, Dan. I was at your show last weekend in New York City, and I had such a great night. Laughed my ass off, of course. Um, but I just noticed that a bunch of the stuff from the taping didn't make it into the podcast. And I was wondering what happened there. Thank you, first off, Jess, for writing in there. Uh, yeah, you're right. There was some stuff that happened that night that we needed to cut out for various reasons. You know, there was some talk about excessive drinking, which I, you know, I never want to promote that here on the show. So I, I cut some of that stuff out of there. Um, and uh, what else? Yeah. Oh, you know, um, there was this moment uh, when Joe DeRosa and Sean Patton got into a pretty heated disagreement over what uh, constitutes funny. And I just thought it crossed the line a little bit, but, well, you know, I guess I could play a, a little snippet from that, from that. Here it is. I'll just play that there. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? Right. Funny how? Just, what? Just, you know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, so? let me understand this, because I don't you know, maybe it's me, I'm a little fucked up, maybe. 
Well, I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? Just, you know how you tell the story. What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Yeah, so you see, right? I mean, it 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 looked like it was going to come to blows. It really did, but it turns out they were just just kidding around with each other. So, um, so yeah, we cut that. Oh, you know, and then there was uh, there was another weird part too, Jessica. I don't know if you remember this, where um, Justin Silver and Natalie Cuomo inexplicably started speaking with British accents, and then at one point they got up and attempted to rob the place. Nuts, nuts. Probably shouldn't play that because we don't want to promote violence here, but, it, you know, it was such a... Fuck it. You know, here it is. All right, here's a little bit of it. You know, I'll play it. I love you, I love you, honey bunny. Everybody be cool. This is a robbery. Any of you fucking pricks move and I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. You know, and of course, the craziest thing that wound up on the editing floor... You're not going to believe this, but Will Smith showed up out of nowhere. You know, we're both from Philly. I, I, I figure, well, maybe he's a fan, you know, fellow Philadelphian. So Will Smith shows up, and and at one point, I, I even invited him up on the stage to say hi to the crowd, and it, and it was all good. He was a typical jovial Will Smith that we've come to to know and love over the years. And then at one point, he had the mic, and he he just he kind of went crazy. He started talking about his his dad and traumatic memories from his childhood. And, and, and it really got awkward and uncomfortable. And, uh, you know what? Okay, fine, fine, fine. Here, just this little bit. You'll, you'll see what I mean. Ain't like I'm still five years old, you know? Ain't like I'm gonna be sitting up every night asking my mom, when's daddy coming home, you know? Who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty damn good at it too, didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Did. Got through my first day without him, right? Mm-hmm. I learned how to drive. I learned how to shave. I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a damn card. Die with him! And then two days later, he's whacking Chris Rock at the Oscars, right? And, you know, I, I, you listen to this clip and it just explains so much about where this anger comes from with will smith god i you know i I, i've always been a fan i i hope he gets the help he needs so anyway jessica you were right there was some stuff that we cut out and and there was a little bit of it and i you know i I would love to just run the entirety of of all the shows as is but sometimes you gotta err on the side of um, prudence anyway again invite you to send your comments and suggestions to at to info at whatwe'redrinking.com. If you do a voice memo, there's a real good chance you'll get on the show. And uh, if you don't, I don't know. Anyway. Oh, I oh, also, another thing we got here. I uh, We came up with a new segment. I like to have new segments. I like segments. And what ends up happening, though, invariably, is I'll create a new segment, and then I completely forget about it. But in this case, I'm really going to try to... I'm going to try to do this segment often and it's it's called what'll it be it's it's features lloyd the resident bartender of the what we're drinking lounge i don't know if you guys were familiar with this we do have a lounge here at our top secret headquarters in venice california so 
In What'll It Be, Lloyd takes care of former guests on the show when they drop by the lounge for a drink. And this first one here features Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. And I, I think you're going to love it. So, but, but here, let, let's, let's give a listen. A little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What let be? Mr. Pitbull, welcome back. What's going on, buddy? Last time you were here in the WWD lounge, you seemed to be having quite the good time. And I happened to take the bottle that night and have a couple drinks. What'll it be? The tequila's been great. Any particular expression, sir? My favorite is the reposado. Reposado is, is the one that I have the, the best the best time on. Would you like that in a cocktail? I'm more of a shots guy. I'm not, you know, hook it up with a cocktail. That's not really me. Here you go, sir. So the recovery rate has to be good. So when you got a good product that you know you can enjoy, and then at the same time, the next day function, <laughs> that's definitely a plus. Well, we always recommend drinking in moderation here, sir. Yeah! What's going on, buddy? Yes, you mentioned that earlier, sir. With everything that I've been through in life, this is just another time to recreate. In that case, would you like another drink? I'll do a good Blood Mary with it. With a reposado, yes. So Bloody Mary and tequila. A nice couple of shots, nice chill with some lime and salt on the side. You know, that's, that's my kind of party. Hit me. You know, they used to say the sky's the limit until I figured out there's footprints on the moon. So there's still room to go. <laughs> Always great seeing you, Mr. Pitbull. It was a lot of fun, my friend. And you know what they say, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Sure, but uh, we're not in Las Vegas. And I say what happens in Miami never happens. This is Los Angeles. I'm having a great time out there, you know, in international waters. All right, then. Come back anytime. Yeah! Okay, so I know you're probably thinking, Lloyd sounds an awful lot like unnasally me doing a terrible British accent. But rest assured, that's really Lloyd. Who's Lloyd? Don't ask. Just just let it go. Let it go. What we drinking? Oh, hell yeah. Batiste Rum. You know what I'm talking about? I friggin' love this brand. Batiste Rum is the first sustainable American craft rum. What's that mean? Well, it means that Batiste's proprietary production process from ground to bottle has been rigorously reviewed and validated as being carbon negative. It's the only known beverage alcohol in the world to have a climate-positive natural production process without the purchase of carbon offsets. Okay, you're probably still like, yeah, but what's that mean? (laughs) It means you can feel good about drinking it, my friends. Batiste rum is made from 100% pure fresh cane juice, not molasses or sugar crystals. Most importantly, it's an incredibly damn delicious rum to be enjoyed neat or in cocktails. And Batiste rum has not one but two kick-ass offers for my listeners. That's you. Go to BatisteRum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. Fill up your cart and enter code WWD15 at checkout to get 15% off all orders. But if you want their delicious reserve rum, you can enter code RESERVE and get 20% off. Batiste rum is the absolute shiz. 
Proof that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow, but a reality today. As anyone who pays even the slightest bit of attention to me knows, Fresh Victor is my favorite mixer brand in the world. You know what? Screw it. It's my favorite in all the universe. They make 100% fresh, juice-based, cold-pressed, preservative-free, refrigerator-worthy cocktail mixers. All their ingredients are real, they're all recognizable, easy to pronounce. Lime, mint, ginger. See what I mean? Easy. Fresh Victor mixers are kosher, non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and light on calories. Although they don't taste like it. Their seven award-winning flavors mix deliciously with any spirit, wine, or sparkling water. Not only does Fresh Victor live and breathe sustainable practices, but they champion them. All their ingredients are fair trade, the packaging is recyclable, and the juicing plant is 100% solar. You get the drift. Right now, Fresh Victor is offering a pretty juicy deal to my listeners. Simply go to freshvictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20. Get 20% off your order. Now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market. And that's Fresh Victor. guitarist for a band that spearheaded a revival of 1960s style garage rock in the early 21st century a band called the strokes he's also the founder of an ultra premium wine seltzer brand called jetway excited to have him on albert hammond jr how are you man excited uh i'm good man i'm uh i'm in brazil what's happening in brazil uh nothing it's beautiful outside it's uh i'm in sao paulo uh awaiting a to play a show on friday fantastic yeah. how's it feel here. man you know i i a, I want to get to jetway in a little bit but i you know one of the things yeah. i i the strokes is always the band has always fascinated me because the strokes came out of the gate and it was almost like you made you made this perfect record is this it and i guess that would have been 2001 right and you come out with this album and it was so good that i almost feel like in a way it might have been a curse because you did this thing and it was like everybody wanted the strokes to be the savior of of rock and roll we talk about that 60 when it came out i just remember like everybody was like the strokes the strokes the strokes and and obviously you delivered the record was amazing but it even yeah. at that time, I remember thinking, oh, they're going to kick this shit out of these guys later. Because that's never, what it's because it's never, it would never be enough when you're, ex- when you get excited about something and you write about it where it's like exaggerated. Um, it's never enough. You just want more and more and more. Eventually it just it goes the other way. Um, but you also can't pick how you break into a scene or how you try to, make it or how you try to get people to listen to your music so with every positive comes a negative but in the end looking back now still playing um there's positives that you know it gave us a chance to be heard which is very cool and i sure i I, reading it was always 
felt silly and I was like, what is everyone talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you were a kid. Because you just feel like you just feel like five guys. I mean, we always thought the music was very special and always thought it would connect, but the business was such in a different place. And everyone business wise would always be like, you know, you don't really fit in, which is fine, because our goal was to be ourselves, but still have a place with everyone else. Um yeah, you can't really control that stuff. So it's just weird. And in your circle, it doesn't feel any different. It still doesn't feel different. If we're all hanging out. It still just kind of feels like we're 19 hanging out on the corner talking about when we're going to come practice. You know, it's the same kind of feeling. It was an important thing. And again, when you talk about the positives, I mean, I think without the success of the Strokes, you guys sort of begat the Killers, Libertines, Kings of Leon, Franz Ferdinand, all those bands, yeah, 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 Arctic Monkeys, all these bands. I think. If it weren't for what you guys did, maybe we don't get yeah, once again, that. though, I don't, I don't even know if I want to say that because it's like, <laughs> you know, it like, uh, I don't know. It's not like, um, I don't know how to phrase it where it's like, I mean, it's nice to know that you were, you started something that maybe excited other people, but then it's not something you think about and you're like, oh man, like. Yeah. Well, you're not uh, taking credit. anything for me, you know what it feels like for me? It feels like we started and we were like alone and there was no one to really hang out with and then there was like other bands it was like oh i wish we had started later so we could have been in a group with other with other other bands you know then you know we're not gonna go but it's all well chronicled then the albums come out you we there were some issues and then but i love it then two years ago or a year ago you come back was the issue covid <laughs> <laughs> well i mean coming back with coming back the way you guys did with it with the latest album and winning winning the grammy award for that and and it's such a first time nominated first time winning pretty crazy the new abnormal is the name of it yeah. and, and it's a uh it was uh you did it with rick rubin right uh, produced the record yeah. and um it wins the grammy in 2021 i i gotta tell you man the song selfless on that record is so enchanting to me i just i love it i don't I, Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. We have, I have, oh man, it's so funny you say that. I get so many messages on Instagram to play that song. It's very funny that you say that because it's, it just keeps coming from all angles. Like, oh, are you going to play Selfless? (laughs) One day, for sure. We'll have to play it one day. It puts me at ease. I would say that. And I don't know if it's that little, what is that thing awesome. that that lilting sort of, uh, what, I don't even know what instrument's making it's that. Nick's, gu- Nick's guitar, like when it comes in, that picking yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just, just man. It's Nick's good. guitar line. <laughs> There's another one on there, which I recently had a conversation with a friend of mine, and maybe you can answer the question. The song is called Why Are Sunday So Depressing? And I'm wondering, yeah. do you actually have the answer to that? Because I was thinking that. A friend invited me to something this past Sunday night at Musso and Frank's over in Hollywood. Yeah. And, you know, fucking great place, man. But I'm like, Sunday night. I know I'm not going to want to do it because I, for some reason, by the no, end of I've, Sunday, I've never been there and I'm a LA native and I, I feel like I need to go there. It's pretty crazy. How have you never been to Moose on Frank's? I think I left, I moved out when I was 18. So like I never, my like adult life was New York. Yeah. You know, so like, it's like one of the most New York places in LA too, I think. Sure. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, there you go. I, I will. <laughs> maybe that was, maybe you, I moved, I moved to a different, to, to a different state. Um, yeah. I don't know why Sundays are so depressing. Maybe because it, I mean, it depends how you want to look at it. They're, they're depressing. Maybe it's like a school thing. 
like you know like your weekend's <laughs> over, over or whatever a work thing but that's where it starts it's like it starts when you're a kid and you're just like oh shit now tomorrow i'm going back to school unless you're really excited to go to school i, I was sometimes it was exciting to go back to school i think it might be a microcosm of the year because think about it the end of the year uh, a lot of people get depressed at the end of the year because you're taking yeah. stock okay, what did I do? What did I accomplish this year? Maybe that's the same thing with Sundays is like, you're going, fuck, what happened last week? Dude, I like that. 52 times a year you take stock in the week. <laughs> what did I do? Week. And it's like, probably not. What much. did I do? What did I do? I this mean, week? that makes sense. That's actually, it makes sense. That's probably what they thought about in religious things. Cause isn't that when you go to like church too? And like, I'm not religious at all, but like yeah. you would, you would, uh, you know, maybe that's what they're, they they were trying to say too. I was I was raised. I went to twelve years of Catholic school, right? And so man, super religious. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I was I, from a very young age. I was thinking like, what is this bullshit? Because when you're Catholic, it's all about guilt. You know, like yeah, of course. Very very shame, young age, I would go shame wait. And guilt. I the, all the all the prayers are like, you know, Lord, I'm not worthy and. Fuck me, and I'm horrible and <laughs> sin, and I and I'm like six, and I'm like, wait, what did I do? You know? And then by the yeah, time you, I got, you were to, born with it. How terrible is oh, that? You were born that yeah, way. The sin. I'm like, I didn't. What did I do? I had enough. And then, but when, when I got out, I was like, yeah, I think I'm done. We've had enough. Thanks God for everything. See you never. Thanks God, you you <laughs> you made me feel terrible for you made many me feel years. So bad. Um, so uh, another point I wanted to bring up, which is great, being from California, is your your father Albert Hammond. Yeah, is a singer songwriter known for the big hit "It Never Rains" in Southern yes. California. Still, it still comes up. And what's funny is there's a new generation who mistake me for him because they'll like tag my name on um instagram post with that song and i was just like that's impossible i would be i wasn't even alive <laughs> you weren't even alive pretty it's pretty funny it's i mean but yeah he he's he's written a lot of great songs have you ever covered that one i have never i don't think i've ever covered any of his songs but he's written a ton of songs as a singer songwriter and then for for other people it was a, a it was amazing growing up and seeing him um, write write songs for for people. Now that I didn't fully notice it really until almost now, or like I started branching out, maybe trying to write with other people, and I realized like, oh, I remember being a kid and looking at my dad around the same age as me doing that. So it was like a weird full circle um, moment for me. Well, it's one of those songs too that that hit particularly as a kid growing up in Philadelphia, California was such a fantasy, you know? So it was such course, a, yeah. uh, the idea That's of it, it, it was enchanting. <laughs> and, and, and I got uh, most of my, what I knew of California was through pop culture, was through television, you know, watching Rockford Files. And I'm like, shit, man, you can live on the beach in a trailer out there this is amazing yeah. you know, and yeah. on a cop salary too yeah. mel gibson did it too and, and and then and then the music so you would get you would get songs like it never rains and then that one was just like this cool like but then i also was you know my exposure was like nwa and all that shit too and i'm yeah, like i got it everything is happening in california man like you gotta that's, that's get why there. i moved back that's what I felt like two years ago. I felt like oh, I need to move. I need to move back. It was weird, actually. It was just I haven't seen it, but someone told me I got a lot of texts about it. 
that and so i watched it but at the end of one of these euphoria episodes uh they they play the song and so i just watched the end to see what it's like and it comes on and it was just it was so cool to see a song that's like 50 years old this year uh be on a modern tv show about teenagers and a show that's as huge as that one is too right and i was just like i was like it uh made me very happy for my dad that's fantastic now let's talk a little bit about jetway so i I got, I went to this party at a big party in, in Santa Monica, launch, launch party, party yeah. at the, at the, um, uh, where the hell was it? the bungalow? Everybody yeah. was there. Everybody it was a big event. And, uh, Jetway is a, a seltzer brand. You founded yeah. it along with uh, Ben, Ben Parsons, who I talked to uh, quite a yeah. bit that evening. Ben's a, been in the wine industry for over 20 years and, uh, talk a little bit about what, how, where did this come from? Like why, what, why did you decide to do it? Well, there's like a first distinction before I talk about it is uh, seltzer has, you know, when I f- was first thinking about doing this, there were no seltzers. And I wasn't like I was just trying to make a great drink, something that was sessionable, something that could be something you could have all day. And there were certain flavors I wanted from it and certain feelings and pairings of it. And it was a mixture between uh, a beer and a mixed drink, you know, almost like the the white version of it was almost like a shandy in many ways. Um, and uh, when it all kind of came together with with Ben and using wine, it became even more what I wanted because it was it had all the flavors I wanted and like structurally in the look, but it but it was lighter. Like uh, I don't mean calorically, even though it is, I just mean like it felt lighter on the on the on the stomach. And then by the time would that take like four years, seltzers were something on the market, but it never felt, you know, their fermented sugar cane with essence. So it felt like it was like, um, they created a, I think a category that's been trying to exist for a while since I was a kid named it something that people knew the name of. So I thought that was interesting. And there was nothing, there was no brand like ours sitting on top of it. So it just felt like, like we could redefine the genre with our, we redefine what a seltzer meant, you know, and that's even why the tagline is drink like a seltzer, enjoy like a wine. Cause okay. there's a lot of duality in this drink. You can down it. You can enjoy it with food. It's something you can have all day. Um, but it's super quality. And, and, uh, I don't know, we, we try to make it reminiscent of that golden age of travel and adventure and success. And, and like, there's just something, something nostalgic and rom- romantic in the artwork in the camp. I, I dug it, man. I, you know, I'm the older I get, the more I'm about stuff that maybe is a little bit more agreeable with my stomach than some of the hard, but <laughs> so just so everybody knows they got, there's two flavors. You've got a, a Sauvignon Blanc and then a, yeah. a Rosé of Syrah and Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. You're, you're sourcing it from, from Washington state, which is one of my, yeah. I think the Amazing most underrated, there, underrated regions in, in all the country. In fact, we're going to be having uh Stephen Mel's going to be on the show in like two weeks uh, and they're doing their wines up there. Knocking point. Um, yeah. You got no artificial flavor sugars in this thing, but what I think is cool about it is is Ben has worked in, and I'm you guys when you worked up the flavor profile, there's there's elderflower in there, there's some ginger yuzu. Uh, you really kind of nailed it. I think you really got that nice blend of the wine flavor, but then some of these other all natural ingredients that you put in there, and they're they're vegan. It was, you know, it was, it was interesting. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you. No, no, no. Uh, go for it. I it was, I, I rambled. 
No, no, it's fine. It was interesting, actually, because um, I grew up with a lot of these flavors, right? So like yerba mate, my mom's from Argentina. So I always had that as a kid with my grandmother and my parents, close friends growing up were Japanese. So I ate Japanese from a very young age, like my first food. So yuzu, ginger, they were all things that my palate liked. So when I was talking to Ben about this, we kind of knew where it would go, but we didn't know you know, you don't know how it's going to interact with wine, right? What flavors are going to come out. And then what ended up happening is all these flavors that we brought in to the wine brought out all the flavors that you want from the wine that if you just can the wine, you don't get. So he was almost like we realized that creating this drink made a a better version of a canned wine because it brought out the flavors that you would want from it. Um, So that was just like a, a fascinating moment that happened from just riffing with Ben and like working and working like, you know, you, you the happy accidents when you create basically, you know, Ben, he, he's uh, behind a, a brand called originally launched infinite monkey theorem. And that brand blew up in Colorado, man. Yeah. And then all no, over the he place. Was, he was yeah. the first guy to can wine. So I feel like there was a lot that he did well and knew how to do better. Very lucky to have, have have met him because i tried and failed multiple times to get this off the ground i thought that might be the whole life of it it's just me trying and failing you know just because the i don't know why the idea was so strong (laughs) when i when i thought of it i don't know why it was like it was so implanted in my head what i wanted to do it had to be cool for you then at that party because i mean it was packed just to just look around the room and and see everybody this idea that you had in your head has now come to fruition and you look around and what's that like looking around the room and everybody's drinking Jetway? I mean, it's, it was unreal. It was so unreal. I forgot to eat dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying you know, earlier. And, and then we were like, no, and we're, we're rolling it out on tap. Now it's coming out on, on, on tap, which is a something new for seltzers. And I think it shows its versatility because on tap, it creates a little bit of a head which we like. And also all the flavors are a lot brighter in the rosé and the white. Um, and uh, like, even though there's, there's peach in the rosé and you big nose of it when you smell it, but um, the flavors are more like strawberry watermelon when you taste it. But like on tap, you can really t- taste that. Like you can, you can like, the details are so clear. So when you do it on tap, how, how does that work? Do you have to go out and install on premise or you're just going to wine places that already have the tap systems in place? Or are you going to try to, uh, I mean, I think that's our, what we're trying to do in creating this new category. I think we're trying to say like, Hey, we're, we can be next to the beers and a beer is just a beer, but here you can make, you can have, you can have the, the jetway seltzer or you can make a mixed drink like we had that night. So it has like a versatility to be the base of a tequila or gin or vodka drink. And how's it going so far? The, the reception been obviously. I mean, it is. I mean, the the reception's always good. That's that's the best part about it is that even when we get like, a, oh great, a seltzer or another seltzer, if they can just taste it, it always turns around. Um, the taste is what gets it. So that means, I mean, the product is great. But you know, like any new business, it's just a, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> and and I got to figure, the timing is pretty great because now here we are and. COVID's over again for the fourth time. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm going, I'm going, by the time this airs, it will already happen. So I'll cut this part out, but I'm going to New York. I leave for New York tomorrow. So I do my, uh, do you know the Stan Comedy Club in New York? 
Yeah, yeah. So I do. Yeah. We do the show there, like a lot. Oh, so cool. this will be the third one since COVID started. So we did one last June. Remember, COVID was over. We're like, it's over. I was show. there. I was there in June. We played a sh- the first show too. It was just like Let, it was last like year. Yeah, yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah, last year. New York was a party. It was June. It was insane. Dude, Everyone was on the streets. I showed up the day that they lifted the mask thing, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" Whoa! And then we do the thing, and I'm like, "It's over." And then a week later, it's like Delta variant. Hello. And then uh, and then we did it again in November. This past November, it was over again. And uh, and then Omicron came. So now I'm doing the show Friday night. So you know who to blame when the next, whatever the <laughs> fucking variant is, we can blame the stand or Joe DeRosa, the comedian. He's been on every one of the bills. We'll get rid of him. But yeah, so. Um, it's too good. But it, how is it now? You got the bands going, fuck gangbusters again. You're touring and you got all, how you juggling all this? I got a one-year-old. That's what happened last year. My daughter was born March 7th and March 14th. I, I, I won a Grammy, which is pretty overwhelming. Um, it's very, it's very hard. That's probably the hardest part is to juggle all the different emotions. And because um, at the end of the day, you really just want to spend time with family, you know, and like, um, but, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just a process. It's just life, right? You're just trying to figure, just trying to figure it out. I have no, I have no idea. I'm just feeling my way in a dark room. <laughs> well, look at where you're at right now, right? You're in Brazil. You're going to play a show. You're doing it. When you look back and, you know, we're not going to get into all that, but obviously you had some, you had some issues with, with, with drugs and substances over the years. And now looking back and going, here you are now, like you went from being this kid and you were a kid and suddenly you're a kid in the biggest band in the world. And then shit happens. May, and here we are, 20 years later, you win the Grammy, you're back on tour, you're making incredible music, you've got this thing, you've got the family. Did you ever imagine it would be like this? You know what sums it up perfect? The, the Talking Heads song, uh, Once in a Lifetime, where he's just like, how did I get here? Um, it pretty much sums it up, because if if I... It makes sense to just enjoy the moment, because you really don't know... Um, where it comes and where it goes. And also just kind of like wear, wear everything like a loose garment. Don't let different emotions and times trap you too much because things change, you know, so, so much. It's just kind of, I I mean, everything's exciting and very stressful at the same time, but I'm just trying to, to enjoy that. (laughs) Well, and you, before I let you go quickly, you mentioned you use the term loose garment. I also think you, you've been known for years for your sense of style. So now you've got a line of suits, right? You got, and the well, no, I did, I did. It was like very, it was very small. I know it always sounds bigger when, when it gets like, when you read about it, it I did a line of suits with a friend of mine named Alaria. She's like a stylist. She just is a stylist for like some very big uh, actors, like, you know, whatever the rock, uh, Ben Affleck, just like 15, Rami Malek, like 15 people like that. And we met and it was just like, oh, why don't we make some suits? And she had a store in L.A. and we made a small run for L.A. And then Ryan Gosling used it in uh, Crazy Stupid Love. The green suit he was wearing when he dresses Steve Carell for the first time. That was ours. And then the burgundy one in the bar. Um, And that was awesome when, when we saw it in there. But it was like it never really went too far past it but i mean it might come back i always liked 
clothes. I have I have someone I work with now for my stage stuff and like even my normal clothes. You know, I just I found it would be easier just to make stuff for myself than try to find it. Fantastic. Well, hey man, you're making you're making a lot of shit happen, and I and I I got to say, as someone who's been a fan for a long time, it's great to see you. Great to meet you first off, and great to see you yeah. having all this success. And uh, I wish you the best. Uh, Jetway, get out there and get it. Drink it. It's good. I'm telling you right now. I'm gonna, as I get older, a hard time sometimes with the, the whiskeys. I love them. I love the big whiskeys. I love my eyeless. Everybody who listens to the show knows that. But some days <laughs> I just want to sit out back, chill in the sun, yeah. take it easy. And I'll tell you what, Jetway is the kind of thing that I would be drinking on a day like that. And uh, the Strokes, you know, their music's everywhere. If you get a chance to see them on tour, you should. Are you guys playing L.A. anytime soon? Because I'm going to come to that. Um, In August, we play Barclays April 6th. We play a a festival like August 21st at the Rose Bowl. Never heard of it. Big big spot? (laughs) Kidding. That I went there very quickly. I saw you uh, two there years ago when they did the big thing. Not the yeah. not the last one, the one before that. And I got into the heart. Right, my friends like I'm getting really? into the heart. But here's the problem with getting into the heart. Once you were out. in the heart, there was no getting out of the heart. I'm not joking you. It was so jammed in, and I'm like, wait a minute, they're not going on for like six more hours, right? That's how early we had to get in there. And I'm standing in the middle of the Rose Bowl, in the middle of the field, and the bathrooms, as you know, are all up because it's an old Wait, stadium. that's impossible, though. They, well, why don't they make a little tunnel? You can go in and out, though. It's crazy. I didn't. I stood there the whole time. I didn't. I never left. I couldn't piss. I couldn't do anything. I was fucking miserable. Like By the time you two came on, I was like, fuck you, Bono. I got to piss so fucking bad. Fuck yeah, you. Fuck you. Yeah, no, uh, anyway. Like, I love you, too. <laughs> so <laughs> oh I'm going to get in there. Anyway, Albert Hammond Jr., it's been a pleasure, man, and thank you for joining us. It's so much fun. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. I like you, Stuart Smalley. I really do. I got to say, it's eerie to listen to Albert talk about playing Brazil because the show that he's talking about is Lollapalooza Brazil. And we recorded that interview two days before Taylor Hawkins of Foo Fighters died. And they were also on the Lollapalooza bill. The Strokes were the headliner on Friday the 25th, the same night we did our comedy show at The Stand, and the Foo Fighters were supposed to be the headliner on the 27th, but um, Taylor Hawkins passed away a couple days before. So he wasn't wrong when he said, Things can change quickly. We see that and we saw it, sadly. Um, Anyway, thank you for joining us, folks, for this one. Hope you had some fun. I want to thank Albert Hammond Jr. for being on the show. Invite you to follow me at The Imbiber on Instagram and Twitter. Check out The Strokes' newest. It's two years old, but it's a great album, really. A new abnormal and uh, that's all I got. That's all I got. Let's-